All right, everybody. How you guys doing today? Are you? Awesome, man. That makes me happy that you guys are doing good. Would everybody just smile right now? Come on, just smile. Just let me know that you're actually, you know, good, you know, excited to be here today. If you're not, then just don't look at me, all right? Just look down or something like that. Um, no, it's okay. I know. Some people come in, man, they got all kinds of stuff going on. I want to say a big hello, though, to you that are worshiping with us here at our Kearney campus. I want to say a massive hello to all of you that are worshiping with us at our North Platte campus. Um, God continues to do exciting things around here. People continue to give their life to Jesus, even in the middle of summer with July 4th going on. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, man, we're, we're seeing God just do some amazing things. So um, I'm excited to be, uh, be on staff here and excited to work with uh, this church. We've got an amazing church here. Uh, we are wrapping up our current teaching series entitled Unstoppable. So I hope you've been journeying with us. If you haven't, please go to our website, mynewlifechurch.com, and you can click on the on-demand section where you can watch all of the previous sermons in this teaching series, Unstoppable. Now remember, Unstoppable, you know, the main thrust of the whole thing has has basically been this. Um, look through God's word, find places that put on display the power of God that is completely... We might want to start the whole series over again. <laughs> I, I'm just going to believe that everybody that was in North Platte, they got that right then, right? And they, just, they, they yelled out unstoppable. Um, um, so yes, that's, that's where we're going, right? And so I thought today, before I kind of really, you know, unpack this this last sermon i thought let's just look at some scriptures we haven't looked at because guys you need to know the bible is scattered it's like plastered with scripture that talks about the unstoppable power of god and so i I just wanted to go to a few of them and remind you about some of these things like look at this first one in romans it says oh how great are god's riches and wisdom and knowledge how impossible is it for us to even understand his decisions and his ways isn't that the case have you guys ever had a moment where you were like, I was praying for this or praying for that, and then what in the world, God? I don't understand your ways. Yeah. Yeah, his ways are so much higher than ours. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? I, I don't know about you. I've been tempted to like, want to know the Lord's thoughts, right? Who can really know it? Like, How can you wrap your mind around the thoughts of our God who has the ability to creatively think this universe into existence? Yeah, I think my little cranium would just kind of go poof like that. So who knows enough to give him advice? All right, come on. Just, just humble yourselves for a moment in this building, okay? And out of North Platte. Just for a moment. Who's ever tried to give God advice? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit humbling, isn't it? Yeah. Who can give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Like, hey, God, you know how many times I've been at church? Like, this year, you need to answer that prayer. As if we have given him something that now he owes us. Right? That really speaks to a power of an unstoppable God. Um, For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Powerful, right? Powerful. Let's look at this next one, though. Take a look at this one. Psalms 147.5, a lot shorter. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond what? That means you can't, you can't put it together. Like There's nothing that is inside of you as a human that has the ability to measure 
or to comprehend the understanding of God. So in this faith journey, if you have moments where you're just completely baffled as to why isn't God doing this or why didn't God do this the way I wanted it done, you need to know you can't measure his understanding. That means you'll never know all of his ways. You can never wrap your head around it. So if you're a control freak, then Christianity probably isn't going to work good for you. But if you are a control freak, somewhat like me, you need to, we need to let that down. That's what faith is. Faith is control freak diminishing, unstoppable God increasing to a point where you just go, I can't measure how you think. I can't put my mind around it. There's more to the scriptures, though, than that. Here's just another one, just a sampling, right? Job 42.2. I know that you can do what? Everything. And that your plans are what? Yes. You can do anything, anytime you want to, and your plans are unstoppable. That means there's nothing man can do to stop the plan of God. There are things that man can do to put the plan of God on pause. My life, a great example. I remember God called me to ministry. I chose to do my own thing. God, God's plan went on pause. When I came back and lined up with God, the very first thoughts that I sensed God put in my heart were this. Never forget, Jeff, the plans I have for you because they don't change. They were sitting there waiting for me to get my obedience back in line so that God's plans could start to unfold again. So nothing can stop the unstoppable power of God. And today, you're going to need to know that because today we're going to talk about a controversial issue called healing. Healing. Does God or doesn't God have the unstoppable power to heal? And because many of us have gone through very difficult situations, and some of you right now, you're going through them, and you're praying, and you're seeking, and you're asking God to work a miracle, and for you, you're thinking to yourself, it's not happening. I don't understand this. I can't fathom it. I can't understand, God, why you wouldn't do this or do that. Like, what am I doing wrong? And you're, you're just all wrapped up into it. And so today, we want to talk about that topic. I, I've had a privilege of um, you know, traveling around the world and being in many, many different countries, both in my military career and also in, um, in ministry. And one of the things that I've been able to do in multiple different countries is pray for people, both in America and around the world. And I would just want to reflect on the fact that I've prayed for people many, many times. I've only really seen a few incredible miracles but let me just tell you about a couple of them just to inspire faith today. I remember I was in Mexico one time and I was out on a uh, soccer field and we had done this evening rally and we were praying for people at the, at, the, at the close of that rally. And I'm just praying for people. I don't even know what I'm praying for. And they speak Spanish and I speak English. And so it was just a matter of just saying, God, you know what you want to do. And I'm just here as an obedient servant of you, just praying in Jesus name right? And I pray for this little kid, and I've told you guys this story before, but some of you haven't heard it. I prayed for this little boy who was about this tall, and then all of a sudden, like, as I'm praying, I haven't even said amen yet. Like, how dare him leave the prayer before I say amen? But he just turns, and he bolts, and he just runs away. And I'm just kind of like, oh, man, what did I do, right? Did I say something inadvertently in Spanish that I wasn't supposed to say? Like, what, how did, what went down? I went on, I prayed for others. As we're packing up and we're leaving, this family comes walking down this dirt road. Lo and behold, it's that boy with his, with his parents and a whole herd of people, a 
herd of people are coming down the road. I can still see it to this day. You know, because they were up a little elevation from us and they were walking down the road. And I'm thinking to myself, everybody get in, get in, because it's dark now. You know, like, this is it. We did something at this rally. You know, they're coming. There's like, is there pipes in their hands, shotguns? What, what's going on? And so I'm getting people in and the interpreter meets them and lo and behold, it's the boy. And come to find out the boy, he took off because he, he couldn't hear. And then all of a sudden his ears were open. And he didn't know what to do. And he was, hearing, he was hearing noise for the first time. And he ran home to tell his parents. So that's powerful. That's powerful. But do you know how many times I've prayed for people that nothing has happened according to what I can see? Hundreds, if not thousands. Hundreds, if not thousands. Does that stop me from praying the prayer of faith, believing in an unstoppable God? (laughs) No, not at all. In fact, it doesn't even give me the license to stop. God says for you and me to come to him by faith and to pray a prayer of faith and then to let him take care of the rest. And so that's where I'm at today, right? And you and me, we have to trust that God's ways are just like those scriptures. They're higher than our ways. We just have to trust that God's knowledge is way beyond my understanding. We have to trust that God moves in ways and at times that, you know what, I I can't determine what those are. But Jesus definitely helped us understand, like, why is there certain suffering and why is there then the, the prayer of faith that turns into a miracle? Jesus helped us understand that. And listen to what he said when, when he found out that his good friend Lazarus, you know, had become sick almost to the point of death. Jesus said this, but when Jesus heard about, heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the, the glory of God. The glory of God. Why is there a display of the unstoppable power of God in healing at times? To put on display the glory of God so that God would get the attention. But in this passage, it even went beyond that. So, the, so that the Son of God will receive glory. Because Jesus was there. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, fully God, walking on earth as fully man, receiving the glory. See, that's why God heals God heals so that he receives the glory. So who knows best when a person needs to receive the glory other than God himself? We think we know when he needs it, but he knows exactly when he wants to put it on display so that the loss will come to him, so that the church will be inspired and be encouraged to follow him more and more every single day. So when God, in his ultimate wisdom, when he decides to heal it's, it's always so that he gets the glory on earth. But that does mean that not all sickness is going to be healed. Not all sickness is going to be healed. We live on earth. Let's not forget that. We don't live in heaven right now. We live on earth. right? A place that's been infected with sin and that sin not necessarily your personal sin but just the sin of a decaying earth has brought about illness and sickness have you ever got the flu okay right right have you ever you know picked up some kind of thing that you didn't want to pick up it's because we live on an imperfect planet it's got sickness built right into it right now and that means that all of us, as long as you're alive and you're breathing, are going to run into some level of sickness. 
Here's another reason why we're going to run into the sickness, because we live right now with this human body. We don't live like the Bible talks about in heaven with a new spiritual body. We live with this human body. And guess what this body is doing every single day, even though I don't want it to and you don't want it to? It's getting older. It's getting older, right? There's one thing for certain, and that is every single one of us that is hearing my voice right now is going to die of some kind of sickness, you might, you might go, well, I'm going to be completely healthy all the way to the grave. Yeah, well, then what happens when your heart stops? Like, that doesn't seem healthy. <laughs> One day the heart just kind of says, hmm, not going to beat again. There's something about that that's death. It brought decay, right? It is some level of illness, sickness. It, it gave up, right? It stopped. Your lungs stop taking in air. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. But one thing for certain, all of us, if Jesus doesn't come back, are going to die. Sickness because we have a human body, right? That's just the deal. But here's the good news. The good news is this. This isn't our final home. So if you're not healed on this earth, guess where you do get healed? In heaven. Healing is a part of the character and the nature of God. Whether it happens here or it happens there. Either way, it's a win. Either way, it is a win. And the bottom line is this, that we have to come back to the point. It's God's decision to heal. It's not yours. You and me don't get to manipulate God's hand. It's God's decision. And when God wants to heal so he gets the glory, he's going to do it. And the Bible is full of stories that should inspire us to continue to pray and trust in a God who has unstoppable power. It's full of them, and today I want to look at a couple of them. I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 5 with me. All right, 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to look at a story about a man by the name of Naaman for a moment. Now, to tell you about this story, if you were here last week, we were looking at 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7, right? So this is chapter 5. Well, the king, So we're looking at a man who is the commander of an army, the army of Aram, which is from what is known as modern-day modern Syria, Right? He's the commander. He's not the king. He's the commander of the army. He's a very powerful man. Now, although this story happens in chapter 5, it doesn't mean that chronologically chapter 6 and chapter 7 are what historically happens next. In the book of Kings, there is no particular timeline to the book of Kings. There is no way to really determine or ascertain which event happened before another event. It's just this chronicle of stories and events that have taken place. But one thing I know for certain is, although you can't pin it down to a date and time on the planet, it is true, or otherwise, it's not in God's Word. I just happen to be somebody that believes, and our church believes, that every word in the Bible is God-ordained, God-inspired, written by man through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and every single word of it is perfect and infallible. That's what we believe, all right? And that's something that probably we should record because I think that was said really well. <laughs> Just messing around. That wasn't even in my notes. Um, that's all bonus. So in chapter, in chapter 5, you, you've got this commander, and this commander's talked about as a powerful, ferocious warrior. But he has a problem. He's got leprosy. So he's got a 
He's got a uh, decaying illness of his skin that's going to cause body parts to eventually just fall off as they get hit or trapped or caught. And he loses feeling and different things. You understand leprosy. So that's what he has, right? And typically in a position like a commander who gets leprosy, well, that would be, that would be kind of like the death sentence of your, um, of your job for, sh- for certain. You know, there was, this, there was this like mystique about someone with leprosy that would have been in, like an outcast. You would have pushed them away from you. You didn't want to get close to them, you know, because th- then you would have passed the disease on to another person. So here's this man in incredible leadership um, that is spoken about as a powerful warrior. So even with his leprosy, he is out there and he's fighting and he's going about his everyday business. And he, he, has a, he has a young girl who's living with him who is a servant, and she came from Israel. She knows about the power of the prophet Elisha who dis, puts on display the unstoppable power of God. And so the little servant girl says to the master, hey, listen, I think you need to go see this guy because I really believe that his God has the power to heal you. Now, side note for a moment, right? Don't forget to listen to the innocence of children Children have a way of pointing out the powerful, simple, but simple truth of God. All right? So, so Naaman, he goes to the king of Aram and he says, hey, listen, I want to go see this guy. He's in Israel. Can I go? And he goes, absolutely. In fact, I'll write you a letter. Take it to the king of Israel and I think you'll be okay. So he takes this letter to the king of Israel. When the king of Israel reads this letter, hey, I've sent Naaman so that your God can heal him. The king got distraught. Right? The king was just like, what? This is unbelievable, man. No, no, you, this is crazy. Is this a setup? Like, are you trying to set me up? And the king was so distraught. It says that he tore his clothes, basically going, what is this? You, you basically, you've set me up. Who am I, right? Can, can I kill and bring back to life? That's what the king said. When Elisha heard about how distraught and stressed out the king was, Elisha, he said these words to the king. He said, why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. Basically, I will show him that our God is all-powerful. I'll put on display the unstoppable power of God. Now, the Old Testament prophet, man, he had this ability to wield the power of God. God worked through him. He was literally like God's uh, man on earth, putting on display the power of God. I, I got it. The Holy Spirit works through each and every single one of us today. We don't have to have a prophet walk in our doors to put on display the power of God. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, is living inside of you and me. So when Naaman, when he actually made his way to Elisha's house, he gets to his house and he's expecting Elisha to come out and greet him. He's this powerful warrior, but instead he gets Elisha's servant. And Elisha's servant comes out. Like, Elisha, he doesn't even, like, he doesn't even show himself to Naaman. In fact, he sends a servant out to tell him this. Hey, Naaman, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. Naaman, once he hears this, and he's so disgusted by the fact that, you know, Elisha wouldn't even come out and show himself, that Naaman actually gets ticked off. Like, he gets super mad. You know, red in the face, kind of mad. And he's just like going off on him. He's like, I can't believe this. The guy wouldn't even come out and see me. And then he wants me to go dip in this nasty, dirty Jordan River. We got other rivers in our country that are way better than this river, right? So this is, this is not happening. Like, I'm way above all of this. This is not going down the way I want it to. You know what Naaman was really looking for? 
He was looking for this abracadabra process from God, and God wasn't working in the abracadabra that day. God was working in the simple, right? God was working in the go wash yourself. And he was looking for something way beyond that, like come out, prophet, and give me this difficult assignment, or come out and give me this potion to drink, or come out and do this, or come out and do that, but send a servant and tell me to go wash in a dirty river. Are you serious? That's so far below me. So he hops on his chariot with all of his men, and they start riding off. And here comes the second hero. The first hero was a little girl who pointed, you know, Naaman toward God. Second hero, a servant. Just a simple servant. Says to Naaman, you know, as he's riding along, he spoke to him and he says these words to him. He says, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So, should, so you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Naaman, just like he listened to the little girl, he listened to his servant. And he goes to the river and he washes. Lo and behold, he's completely healed. Isn't that interesting? Like if that was you and me, we were God in that moment, as soon as you saw the way that Naaman, you know, ran off like a little preschooler, you would have revoked the healing. Like you would have taken it back. You would have said, no, wait, I'll just wait till you come back. When you got the right attitude, mister, <laughs> then you can be healed. I mean, that, that's what you and me would do. That's not what God does. See, so that's why God's ways are so far beyond your ways. I think one of the things we can take away from this story is this. The voice of that servant and the voice of that little girl is today our voice of the Holy Spirit. Naaman listened to the right voices. He forgot to listen to the voice of God, though. The voice of God was being spoken through the prophet's servant. You and me, we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the whisper of the Holy Spirit that comes to us. Sometimes it comes to us in the midst of a sermon. Other times he comes to us in the midst of listening to a song on the radio. Other times he comes to us when we read God's word or we spend time in prayer. The Holy Spirit can speak to us when we're at work, when we're waking up in the morning. The Holy Spirit can speak to you when you're brushing your teeth. And for a while, it's like what I felt. Like I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I was brushing my teeth for a while. And I was like, God, why is it that you're speaking to me while I'm brushing my teeth? And it's like, because that's one of the only times you're not moving your mouth. (laughs) That's a true story. In prayer. Like I was like, why do I get these great ideas while I'm brushing my teeth? (laughs) And I was I literally was asking God, I was like, that's one of the times you're not moving your mouth. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm gonna just be quiet before you more. Listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit is like the whisper of God. Church, learning to hear the whisper of God is our lifelong journey. Learning to listen to the whisper of God. Man, when we hear his voice, it's like a breath of fresh air. When you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit nudging you, directing you, he always is leading you to life, by the way. Or it might be a difficult road. It might be something that you didn't think it should be this way, but he always is leading you to life. But one of the things that will keep you from hearing the whisper of the Holy Spirit is what was going on in Naaman's life, and that is the pride. Like the pride got in his way. He wanted the abracadabra, God was in the simple. 
And so he just let his pride get in the way. Like, your assignment is so far below me. I can't believe you even treated me this way, right? Like, I would rather ride back the long journey that took me here. I would rather ride all the way back to my home country and die of leprosy than to simply do what God was asking me to do. His pride got in the way. And our pride gets in the way when it comes to healing. We, we simply just do this. Like, oh, I'm not going to ask for any prayer. I'm okay. I'm not going to ask for any prayer. I'll just do it this way. See, when you go with the attitude of, I'm not going to ask for any prayer when you need healing, I'm just telling you, that is an attitude of pride. we got to lay that down. Because when we say, oh, I don't need any prayer, you're taking the unstoppable power of God and you're putting it on pause for a moment. You're tying the unstoppable hands of God right behind his back for a moment and saying, you know what, I don't really need you. I can take care of it myself. That's pride. Pride is going to keep you from experiencing the unstoppable power of God in the the sense of healing. But here's the other thing that we can learn from this. we got to open up our heart to God's plan for healing. That's what Naaman was so close to. It's like Naaman rode up to Elisha's house with this idea already in his mind of how the healing was going to take place. And if it didn't take place this way, then he was distraught and upset and angry and off he rides. And so many of us, we come to God with our idea instead of an open heart before God, saying, God, anything is possible. Who am I to tell you to give you advice on how to do this thing? Right? Because I'm just telling you today, some of you are going to come at the end of this service and ask for prayer. And you're going to walk out thinking that everything is still the same. But then God's going to work a miracle in modern day medicine for you. You're going to come to an altar like this this morning and you're going to ask for prayer and you're going to walk out thinking that nothing happened but but that there's this partial healing that takes place. Or you're going to come for prayer and nothing's going to happen but God's going to use heaven as your home to heal. And he's going to use the suffering that you're going through to turn your heart greater towards him and your desperateness more towards him. But either way, no matter what happens with God moving in the aspect of healing, you need to come down to one conclusion, and that's this. When God chooses to heal, it's the perfect time. Not when I think is the perfect time. God tends to use our suffering and our sickness in a way that you and me can't even fathom or understand. But in the end, when God heals, it's for his glory. One last story very quickly. And that's found in Luke chapter 8. It's the woman who has a, the Bible basically says she has an issue of bleeding. In Luke chapter 8, verse 43, it says that the woman, uh, uh, Jesus was walking, right? Uh, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years. Say 12 years with me. Okay, that's important, by the way. With constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, (laughs) this whole crowd, man, is pressing up against you. Like, this is a large crowd right now. But Jesus said, no, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could stay uh, hidden no longer, she began to tremble, and she fell to her knees before him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I just love that story. Here is 
Here's this woman that for 12 years has been ceremonially unclean. Let me just tell you what that means. In the Old Testament, in fact, in Leviticus chapter 15, it talks about this very issue. It talks about the menstrual cycle of a woman. It also talks about well, what happens if there's this the continual bleeding. And it literally makes that woman for that period of time, and in this woman's situation, it was for 12 years, ceremonially unclean. Here, here's exactly what it means. It means that if you touched her while she was in that state, then you were unclean for the rest of the day. If you sat on the same chair that she just got up from, you were ceremonially unclean for the rest of the day. If you had intercourse with her during that period of time, you were unclean for the next seven days. Let me just stop for a moment. That's why this is an adult-friendly environment. It's because we're going to talk about real stuff. So if your kids are here, I apologize, but... We already asked you to have kids in our kids' ministry, so I apologize if, if that crossed the line for you. But that's the situation that you find this woman in. For 12 years, she literally has been untouched. If she was married beforehand, guess what? She was probably divorced. Whoever was with her had left her because who wants to be with a woman you can't touch, you can't get close to? How do you think that she felt for 12 years? living her life that way, knowing that she couldn't get close to anybody. How do you think she felt about that? You think that she was happy about that? You think that just gave her the best attitude? You think that she had to fight against some of those emotions? You think she had to worry to herself, like, God, why have you put me in this situation for so long? Of course she did. But she got to a point where she was desperate. And in her desperateness, but in a reverent respect, she pushes herself into this crowd, not to grab a hold of Jesus to make him ceremonially unclean. No, out of respect, all she wanted to do was touch the him, just touch a piece of his clothing, and then she gets away. Like, she didn't want anybody to know that she was there, and when the healing happened immediately and she drifts back into the crowd, trying not to touch anyone, right? She doesn't want to even be noticed that the healing happened or, or it'd be called out even afterwards, That's just who she was. She was so desperate for God to move, but yet so respectful. There's a lot that you and me can learn from this. Like there needs to be a desperateness in our heart for God to heal, but there also has to be this reverent respect. Because if you have desperateness in your heart without a reverent respect, you just become annoying. That's who she would have been. Without respect, and she's just walking around the community, you know, touching people and doing things, eventually you just become annoying. And even today, in this age where we don't live underneath that Old Testament law like that, you'd still become annoying when you don't have any reverent respect. And then that annoyance, you know, it becomes to this, it goes to this point where there's an avoidance and people are going to try to avoid you. And you're going to end up burning bridges and relationships and you're going to end up exhausting all of your resources until you finally get to a point of complete loneliness. And then when you're at that stage, you're going to point your finger to God and you're going to blame him. But if you have a desperateness with a reverent respect, now you have peace in the midst of the storm. Now you have peace. Now you can find contentment. Now you're going to find that there are others that want to rally around and they want to help you. And lastly, you're going to get this. You're going to have a testimony that people are going to want to hear and it's going to change their spiritual journey forever. I love this story because after she's found out, she's telling every. The Bible literally says she's telling everybody her story. 
What happens when she's telling everybody her story? Lives are being changed. So today, what attitude are you going to come to God with today? Are you going to come to God with the attitude of, of Naaman? When it comes to, God, I need you to move in my life in a sense of healing. Are you going to come to God with this? I know how it needs to be done, God. Are you going to come to God with the attitude of, you know, well, I've already prayed and it didn't happen, so man, I'm not ever going back to that. That's, that's ridiculous. That would be a Naaman attitude. Are you going to come to God with more of like the Naaman servant attitude of, hey, let's just do the simple things God's asked us to do, and let's let God take care of the miracle. Maybe that's the attitude you need to come to God with today. I just need to stay faithful in the simple acts of obedience and let God take care of the miracle. I need to find joy in just doing the simple acts of obedience. Or maybe you need to come to God today with that attitude like the woman. Desperate. Desperate, but have a reverent respect enough that all you, need, all you want to do today is just reach out and touch Jesus. Just reach out and touch him. And you let him take care of the rest. What attitude do you need to come to God with today? In all of our venues, we're going to sing one song, like we've been doing. We're going to wrap up this teaching series. At the end of this one song, our campus pastors and all of our venues are going to give you an opportunity to come to our altars, and we're going to pray corporately a prayer of faith, a prayer of healing, believing that the unstoppable power of God can move but we aren't going to put constraints on him, and we aren't going to tell him how to move. We're just going to simply come, like Naaman, to the river, like the woman, to Jesus. We're just going to come. We're going to get close to God and let God take care of the rest. Are you with me? Why don't you stand with me, and let's pray. Lord, today we need a powerful move of your Spirit in our lives. We need to meet with you, God, because unless we're meeting with you, we're just really going through religious motion, and in the end, we, we get weary of that. Like, like we, just, we really kind of just lose heart when all we're doing is going through the motions. Lord, I pray for this church that you would put on display the unstoppable power of God in their individual life today. That we would listen to the power of the Holy Spirit calling us to a place of life before you. There's people that needed to hear this message today, and there's others that this message doesn't even pertain to their life right now. But we need to hear this truth because we know somebody who's going through something, and we need to encourage them. We need to inspire them. We need to build their faith. So, Lord, use this church today. Use this church to put on, this, to put on display your unstoppable power so that the world might know that you are God. Put on display your unstoppable power, Lord, so that you will get the glory. It's not about our glory. It's about yours. So we humbly come to you, Jesus, just to worship you and just to get close to you. And we're going to trust you for the rest. In Jesus' name, amen.